What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Core Consult RX podcast. Cole and I have a brand new P4 student with us today. TJ, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, man? It's living the dream here at uh, Core Consult Studios, aka <laughs> just my house. <laughs> so uh, TJ told me today, and it's only his first day on rotation with me, so I'm pretty sure he's being like truthful, but I'm not 100% sure he might just be kind of blowing smoke. But he says, allegedly, he's been listening to us since um, his first year in pharmacy school, which is one, awesome. Um, so now we're going to quiz you live on air oh, on I, every specific all of our the podcast. topics that we've ever covered. <laughs> Good thing we can't even remember what they are. I, I don't even know if I can do half. <laughs> but uh, TJ, man, so fourth year, um, start off uh, fourth year with a bang, right? Um, mm-hmm. Heart failure clinic. Heart failure clinic first. Way to hit the ground running. I'm proud of you. Yeah, thanks. It's, uh, it's been then, fun so far. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot more than... Than being in class, don't don't tell my professors. Yeah, I mean, oh, you could, I, I would tell them because that's yeah. what I've been saying. Yeah, <laughs> ever oh, since I've, I've said it ever since I uh, started my fourth year. <laughs> um, but no, and then so huge pump in the brakes. Now he's on my rotation. <laughs> so nowhere near as intense as heart failure clinic. Um, but uh, he, he so he just started today, and uh, I told him like mm, four hours ago. I was like, "Yo, you want to come on the podcast with no uh, prep whatsoever?" And he jumped on it. So absolutely, he's here. So you'll be just like us. <laughs> yeah, one day. So, um, TJ, man, what are you going to do? What, what are you thinking as far as after school? What's your plans? Um, so my plan has always been to work out in the community as, as time goes on and I learn more things. I've been pretty interested in AmCare. Um, as you've already said, I've, I was involved in the heart failure clinic last month with Dr. Haney. Learned, learned some stuff there, a few things at least. There you go. <laughs> and um, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I'll probably go out into the community and just see what happens, see what opportunities present themselves. Awesome. So. Are you thinking residency track? Are you thinking just going uh, right into it after school? No, I'll probably I'll probably go right out into it and um, spend P four year just trying to experience a bunch of new things and try to figure it out a little bit better. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, any other cool rotations coming up that you're excited about? Um, I've got one that I was just telling Cole about at uh, Fort Gordon. It's an AmCare over at the Army base in Augusta. That one will be fun. Um, I've got one with the HCA Hospital Corporations of America later on this year. That's nice. my ad, man. Um, that one will be interesting. Um, other than that, the other ones are pretty standard. A couple of cute cares. Um, one in the OR. A um, couple of communities. Yeah, me and TJ determined um, soon after I got here that we're actually from pretty much the same place. Yeah. Yeah, small world. Yeah. The greater Augusta area, you might call it. <laughs> I uh, went to undergrad with some of his, his siblings. Yeah. So. Yeah, my siblings. Cole, where's your accent? How come you don't have an accent like TJ? I don't know. Maybe North, North Augusta and Edgefield must be that far removed, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, my dad has an accent. He's from the Valley. He went to Midland Valley, so he has a pretty thick accent. And, and you don't work on your accent. Yeah, I'll work on it. That way people know for sure where we're from. Right. <laughs> from, from South Carolina. Yeah, right. The, the best accent we've ever had in this podcast, though, was Blake. Blake Roach. Oh, yeah. Remember, his super thick Southern mm-hmm. accent. and uh, He's got the old school Southern accent. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Blake if you're listening. <laughs> he says he still listens. Well, I don't know. We'll, see. <laughs> we'll find out. I'll get a text from him if he actually hears this. But... um. So today, uh, topic-wise, we're trying to come up with something we haven't, I don't think we've even really discussed much at all, if, if ever, but uh, so we picked kind of a lousy topic today. Was that, was that supposed to be a pun? Did you see that? I've been thinking about that all, all the last five minutes while I've been sitting here. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. I'm very impressed. Yes, yes. I'm very impressed. So we're going to talk about 
lice infestations. Yeah, you so gotta it, add that word to the end. It is infestations, and get ready to itch because right when I told my wife we were doing this, she just started itching. I'm super bad about that. Anytime I'm talking to a patient to, who's been treated for bed bugs or scabies, lice, anything, my head will itch the rest of the day. And I know it's not real, and I still have to do it. I can't help it. I'm like, yep, they've leaped. Have and you, now I have it. Have you had lice before? Like me personally? Yeah. No. Okay. Have you known anybody too? I have seen many people with it just from, from a clinic or even yeah. in the retail pharmacy setting. I've seen several. I've had... I had one case where the mom was trying to show me and the little girl was literally just scratching her head and throwing the lice onto the oh gosh. Uh, counter. And I was like, yep. So my lice Go story, diagnose. I was probably in middle school and um, we were at the beach and it turned out that my little brother, who was probably like, you know, 10 at the time or something, had lice and, uh, you know, had to get his head shaved. We all shaved our heads, the whole deal. I never actually had them, but he had them and it was a little traumatic. It was a big family vacation with like, you know, extended family and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's members who have not come back to the beach vacations. <laughs> How'd you look with a shaved head? Did you look cool? I used to keep it shaved back then. Did you? Yeah, when I was probably middle school playing football. Went until high school that I actually had hair. I sent uh, Jen a picture of me with like some Instagram filter, one of those things that like makes you look like you're bald mm-hmm. and look pretty realistic. I sent it to her and she just writes back, oh, heck no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So I guess if uh, you got it, well, honey, this you male know, pattern baldness sets in, I guess I'm in trouble. Not too much I can do about that. <laughs> I have to wear wigs. Right. <laughs> Rogaine really early. Something like that. All right. So we're going to cover lice today. Um, I guess we'll kind of go through some background information like we typically do and then um, get into the different treatment options and kind of do a brief overview of the different options that are available on the market currently. Um, but Cole, what do, you, what do you want to start with this? Well, I was just going to say that um, obviously this is not a new thing. People have been dealing with lice for thousands and thousands of years. They found fossilized lice eggs from louse eggs, I should say, from thousands of years ago. Um, I didn't realize that some common like um, vernacular was associated with lice, like lousy. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize that had to do with lice. Nitpicking. Um, oh, yeah. I never you know, realized that one either. Nits, right? Going over sense. things with a fine-tooth comb. Mm. That's that all related sense, to too. lice, right? So it's been around for a while. Big cultural influence in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, huge. <laughs> Especially the South. <laughs> Nitpicking. That's um, funny. But, yeah, I mean, it's a big problem. People are diagnosed with lice infestations all the time i think a big stigma around it is that it has to do with like inadequate hygiene or with lower socioeconomic status but that's really not the case it you know strikes anyone and um they've taken significant steps to combat it in the school systems um and we'll kind of get into some american academy of pediatric recommendations about how to approach that um but what they used to do is you couldn't come back to school until you were knit free. Like you had no, no knits at all in your hair, but apparently they've established that that is not the way to go. And now they will let you back in one day after starting treatment for lice. Um, but at least that is the, one of the recommendations from the American Academy of Pediatrics, but yeah. And then there's, there's obviously three different species of lice and they're kind of referred to, um, based on where they like to feed. And that's human lice. This is human lice, exactly. Um, they're all pediculous. So there's pediculus capitus, so that's head lice. Corporis is body lice. And, and there's also thyrus pubis, mm-hmm. pubic lice, and um, colloquially crabs. <laughs> so this is a bit of an unpleasant topic. Um, head lice is, is by far the, the more common, or at least what you're going to see probably more often. Um, but 
body lice like to feed on parts of the body and then pubic lice like to feed in um, parts of the pubis. And they look pretty significantly different. And I will say that the pubic lice, which we call crabs, look like a crab. They sure do. They sure do look like a crab, like an alien crab. Who would have ever thought? I know. Makes sense now why they call them that. But I don't know. I mean, not that I've ever had them, but I guess when you see them, can you see it like a crab? They're I mean, like two millimeters long. Yeah, and you can see them with the... I've never seen them personally like, I either. wonder what they look like um, to the naked eye. But, I, I mean, they, you can definitely visually see them as far as they're like more true morphology. I, I mean, it might be a little unclear as to the species. I think you're more going off of the location. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you can definitely see them with the naked eye. But you would use, like, if you've ever been to the dermatologist and they kind of get up close to you with one of those things that it looks like they're looking at a diamond with or whatever, that's kind of what they take their close-up pictures with. Um, but lice are ectoparasites that live on the body. Um, they do feed on human blood. Um, after they pierce the skin, they will inject saliva, which is a common thing that, that uh, um, insects that feed on the blood do, which is what causes the itching and the allergic reaction. Um, they can't fly. Um, they can't hop. They don't have wings. They just crawl. Um, and they don't really carry disease. They're actually relatively harmless in that sense, but they have a significant social stigma associated with them, and they are very pesty. <laughs> extremely pesty um, a mature female uh, head louse can lay three to six eggs or nits per day so if you're if you've heard reference to the nits those are eggs um, they're white the nits are they're less than a millimeter long like i said the the lice tend to be about two millimeters long um, a nymph is an immature louse that hatches from the nits after eight to nine days so after they lay a few eggs Eight to nine days, they're going to hatch, and they're going to start to mature. They reach maturity in nine to 12 days. So if you've seen lice treatment before, and as we go through it, um, for the for the treatments where you are repeating, you're kind of trying to hit that gestational cycle. So you're trying to um, kill off the lice that are already there, and then you're going to repeat, hopefully soon after the current nymphs have hatched, and before more eggs can be laid. And that's why they kind of hit the seven to nine day range or whatever, but the nits hatch after eight to nine days, reach maturity after nine to 12 days and live as adults for about 30 days before they die. And uh, the head lice can actually travel up to 23 centimeters per minute. I saw that and I was... That is quick. That's wicked. And apparently they do that by, of course, crawling, but also like grabbing onto the hair follicles and like pulling themselves forward. Ninja warrior for lice. Yeah. <laughs> If, yeah. you were, if you had a microscope. You know, they've made Ninja Warrior much harder. Have you watched recent things? Uh, not recently. Okay, I have. It, it used to be like, oh yeah, I could totally I do, could that. do that. Now it's like, no. Zero chance. Oh yeah, it's like way harder. Yeah, it's rough. I realized I did I did a, like a beginner course one time and I realized how out of shape it was. Oh, you did? I, I got through like the section, but I was like, I was tapped out for the rest of the day. I was exhausted. I was like, okay, well, not an athlete anymore apparently, so let's <laughs> go ahead and do pharmacotherapy now. Um, all right, so um, we talk and we mentioned the life cycle. I don't know if you said this or not, but once they uh, the lice are mature, they can an adult you know louse can can stay alive for about thirty days, mm -hmm. um, but then they die one to two days away from the host um, without blood meals, so to speak. Um, and then with the um, pubic louse, um, again nicknamed crab, um, with the shorter body, they um, they live for approximately two weeks, uh, during which time the females lay one to two eggs per day so um and the, and the eggs uh, the nymphs rather will will emerge from the eggs one week after that and mature into adults um over the next two weeks or so so not quite as long of a lifespan but again still uh 
something annoying to have to deal with. And then um, the, they, they can crawl, in case you're just incredibly um, curious, they can crawl 10 centimeters per day, so much slower than their uh, head and body counterparts. Yeah, and I mean, I have, I have, I have this memory of seeing a louse kind of skitter across somebody's scalp, and I remember thinking, like, that thing was moving. Skitter. Yeah. Um, then the the, uh, the knit, they're placed kind of at the base of the hair follicle, and they um, are placed on there with basically it's it's a cement, it's something that they secrete, and it's effectively a cement, which is part of the reason why it's so hard to get the knits out, and why frequently. You either have to shave the hair to get down on there. If if it's a if it's a boy, obviously it'd be very unfortunate to shave most um, young females' hair. But working the comb is the reason they have to do that. The combs to just rip them out. So as far as like risk factors and whatnot, the um, the head lice can basically just come up. You get an infect you get infected with them or infested with them from from head to head contact um, with someone who is already infected, whether it's school or home or um, you know, sharing hats or whatever the case may be, personal hygiene, those type of things, cleanliness, um, are not really considered risk factors as much for head lice. Um, whereas, um, the body lice is going to be a lot more, um, reliant on crowded living situations where people are like maybe sharing bedding or towels or even clothing, um, things like that. And then, um, Pubic lice is going to be a lot more commonly associated with sexual contact. Um, and then, you know, it's something that if a patient has, um, you know, multiple sexual partners or especially if they come and uh, live in crowded living conditions and things like that on top of it, they can also um, spread uh, via contact with clothing and towels and all that different things as well. Um, but the, the myths about Things like sitting on a toilet seat or um, things like that are, are are just that they're myths. They they do not they're not able to walk on like smooth surfaces. So getting them on like a um, like I said toilet seat or like a bus seat or things like that are, is not going to be very common. Um, and it is considered like basically an STD or STI. Um, so that being said, condom use does not prevent them like most STDs. And so. Uh, you know, one of the things though to consider is if you do have, um, you know, a person that has pubic lice, you probably want to check them for other STDs as well. Um, they could be spread sexually. Yeah. Um, and like you said, the, the body lice are most commonly associated with, um, overcrowded living situations. Homeless people, unfortunately, uh, frequently will have, um, body lice. Uh, as far as how prevalent it is, it's really hard to determine because reporting is not um, very high. In school systems, you might see a little bit more reporting. Um, in 2000, the year 2000, there was an estimate of 6 to 12 million Americans aged 3 to 11, because it does the head lice most frequently is associated with kids, um, were infested each year. Um, in schools, one study estimated that 12 to 24 million days of school are lost because of no knit school policies. I referenced that before with, um, trying to have kids knit free before they're able to come back to school. Um, but the reported range can range between 10 and 40% of kids in school being affected by lice. Um, but either way, it's, it's very common and, and very common for kids to miss school because of lice. So as far as, uh, you know, the physical exam, obviously kind of 
um, coming through the scalp to see if you can see any visible nits or um, adult uh, lice. And um, sometimes they will even take like a piece of uh, like tape and basically put it through the uh, infested area and try to remove um, the, the louse that way, um, which you could even attach that to a slide and look at it under a microscope to make sure that's what it is. Um, it, you know, that kind of makes it pretty easy to, to get attached to a slide if you have it on tape already. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just kind of visually inspecting is, is going to be, especially for head lice, um, is going to be like the main way of kind of observing them. But um, remember that the headlights especially move quickly. So you do have to kind of look through there pretty thoroughly. Yeah. And a lot of times it is tough to see the actual louse. And so um, the nit is a lot of times the easiest way to diagnose. And it is a really easy diagnosis because frequently you will be able to see those nits and bada bang, bada boom. Um, it can be on the ha- on the scalp most often, but it can also be kind of on the back of the neck area. Um it um, is associated with, or it can be asymptomatic. So most of the time they're going to have itching. Um, but if it's like their first infestation or if it's a light infestation, they might not have any itching at all. Um, and when we talk about treatment, we'll talk about prophylactic treatment. Um, it's not recommended in like everybody who may have come in contact with this person. Mostly it's close contacts. Um, but if you're symptomatic, then of course you, it's, it's pretty easy to diagnose. That's the head lice. The body lice, um, they're more associated with itching at night particularly in the axillary truncal groin regions um, with, of course, the um, pubic lice being more affecting the, um, or being more associated with itching in the groin, the axilla, the eyelashes and eyebrows even, um, but that can help differentiate uh, pubic lice from head or body lice infestation. Um, One thing to consider too is um, when you're considering, you know, if a patient has nits present in their in their hair, um, distinguishing the difference between nits and hair casts, or sometimes they refer to those as pseudo nits. Mm. Um, so hair casts are basically like these um, remnants of the inner root uh, sheath of the hair follicle itself, um, and so they can actually, if you try to move them, they can move fr- uh, freely uh, along the hair fiber, uh, and can look similar to a nit if you're not careful. So pseudo nits, um, careful not to diagnose someone that don't even have lice to begin with. Yeah. Fortunately, it's not that terrible of treatment, but yeah. um, with one of the treatments in particular, we'll talk about how there are some concerns and side effects. Uh, but other things that can be associated with that as well is, you know, especially when it comes to like the pruritus and things like that present on the scalp or, or body, um, making sure the patient doesn't have some kind of um, like cybernetic dermatitis or other situation that could potentially be causing um, the itching and the redness and the irritation um, could be some sort of a dermatophyte infection. Mm-hmm. Um, could be, you know, some sort of like, um, in my case, like delusions where, <laughs> where you think. In yeah, your case. Yeah. Um, it could be uh, even like scabs, things like that. Um, you know, if a patient has, if you have a female patient who maybe just had like their hair bleached or some kind of like, um, product put in there that irritated the scalp or caused um, you know, kind of microabrasions to the scalp and they kind of scab over. That can also look um, some similar, like real bad dandruff, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and then other just regular insect bites, if you have someone uh, maybe with shorter hair, um, all kinds of different things can can kind of look like that, contact dermatitis, you know. Especially um, around here, we have something that we'll call noceums, but they're like small biting gnats. And me, especially because I wear stupid gel in my hair, they will get caught in my hair and bite my scalp all over the place, and my scalp will be itchy for days. Mm. So, yeah, I could think I have lice. You but could. It's just biting that. 
Um, did you talk about fomites at all? No. Okay. So um, head-to-head contact is, of course, one way that you can um, transmit the the head lice. Uh, but there's also what they term fomites, which sounds like another um, type of insect, but it's not. It's really just a reference to like clothes or a hat or a comb or some other thing that can transmit the um, the lice as well. So somebody who had used one of those things would be high risk for, of course, obtaining the head lice. Got anything else before we talk about treatment? No, man, let's go into it. Cool. So uh, with treatment, there's kind of two aspects. Um, there's medication, and then there's also environmental control, which um, is more of a reference to the fomites and kind of dealing with those. Um, there's a bigger emphasis being placed on understanding the life cycle, which we kind of went through, um, to provide effective treatment. Reason being, not all uh, treatments are ovicidal, meaning they like kill the lice and the nits. Um, some are uh, weakly ovicidal or even non-ovicidal. Um, so those would be frequently what you're going to retreat with in seven to nine days to try to kill all of the live lice and then kill them again after they have hatched from the nits. Um, there's other ones that are strongly ovicidal, um, and that we'll call these particulocides, uh, but retreatment is recommending only, recommended only if you see live or crawling lice after treatment. Um, and a lot of times that could be because of an actual reinfection. Um, but yeah, that's just some background before we talk about the actual drugs. So just to kind of start off with some of the more simple over-the-counter products that are available, um, we have some products that are um, permethrins, um, or <laughs> permethrins, pyrethrins. Um, I don't know what I'm thinking about. Um, pyrethrins plus um, they have with, they have that in combo with um Pepperonal butoxide, so products like RID or Triple um, X. Um, they also have um, permethrin 1% lotion, um, which is like NYX. Um, they have dimethicone, uh, which is going to be like your pesticide-free um, under the brand name like Lice MD. I think it's the real common one that has that. Um, there's some other uh, products that involve like mineral oil base. Uh, I think that's the NYX, NYX Ultra Shampoo um, has the mineral oil base. Um, and then there's a lot of other prescription products available as well. Uh, and that's for head and, and pubic lysis. Both of those can be, can be used. Um, so, again, if somebody's worried about a pesticide or something like that, you can go with the, uh, the dimethicone. So it's a pesticide-free option. Um, Cole, did you have anything for uh, the over-the-counter stuff? Yeah, I was just going to say that talking about the ovicidal options, so perethrins and permethrin, they kill the live lice but not unhatch eggs. So that would be an example of a weekly ovicidal option. Um, so a second treatment is needed with that 9 to 10 days after the first treatment in order to kill any you know nits that have hatched before they can reproduce new eggs. And that's why it is important to make sure you get that second treatment in. Um, they're also derived from chrysanthemums. Hmm. Flowers. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Um, but yeah, other options that we'll go through, um, malathion, ivermectin, oral option, spinosad, benzoyl alcohol. Um, yeah, those, those aren't over-the-counter, of course, but those are other options we're about to talk about. Yeah, and I think uh, over-the-counter is, is approved two years and over with um, all the uh, perethrin mm -hmm. Yeah, combos. and I have seen it like where... Um, like a dermat, a uh, pediatrician might prescribe it, mm -hmm. you know, for someone a little younger, and then they would just they would get it over the counter at that point. But yeah, in general, you would want to stick to the over counter over the counter labeling. And um, permethrin even has um, 
studies looking at it down to infants uh, two months and older. So it's definitely been studied much younger, but from an over-the-counter standpoint, yeah, right. two and up. Um, all right, so which one do you want to start with, uh, malathion? Sure. So it is malathion is a um, uh, organophosphate under the brand name uh, Ovide. This is one that I, I can't uh, say that I've seen in quite a while. Um, it is considered to have uh, a little bit more... Um, lethal effect on the the lice compared to like the permethrin um but uh and as, as well as a decrease in frequency of reinfestation um however the one thing to kind of consider one it's only approved for children six years and older um it's also because it's an organophosphate it is flammable um and so if you're using any kind of um uh like uh, blow uh, like uh, hair dryers or anything that produces. I was gonna say blowtorch. Yeah, if you're using a blowtorch, I guess, or <laughs> if you're just happen, if for some reason maybe you want to like put this in your kid's hair and while you're smoking a cigarette, because that's just your thing. Um, don't put your cigarettes out on your. Don't kid's use head. them as an ashtray. Yeah, it will definitely it. catch their head on fire. Which I guess you know, if we do it in a controlled burn, we can get rid of the lice that way okay. as well. We are officially not advocating burning kids' hair to no, get no, rid no, of no. lice. No, in adults. <laughs> No. So we're going to burn the adult's hair? No, well, <laughs> in this alternate universe. Huh? We're just kidding. Nobody <laughs> nobody take us seriously on that, please. I'm That's not fantastic. trying to get an email about it. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so um, it goes under the brand name Ovide, I think, like you said. I have seen it some, and um, I think it's only brand name, whereas the permethrin prescription is generic, so a lot of times it's going to be tough to get covered. Um, permethrin prescription also comes as 5%, which is actually marketed for scabies. I think the brand name for that was Elamite. Um, but frequently if the 1% permethrin does not work, they might go up to the 5% and use that. Um, or if they, they might be able to get the, the ovide covered and be able to use that. But it is an irreversible cholinesterase inhibitor um, that's hydrolyzed and detoxified rapidly by mammals and not by insects. So it's both ovicidal and pediculicidal. Nice. Yeah, and it even binds to hair and provides some residual protection after therapy is over. So it typically can be a one one time treatment, but if you're having uh, uh, if you see lice still present at mm -hmm. day seven or nine, a second treatment is indicated. Which they might consider that a reinfection at that point, as opposed yeah. to treating that same one with this medication at least. Or other treatment failure reasons can be because of um, uh, they just didn't use enough, like they didn't apply it appropriately, um, or it was just a reinfection kind of thing. Um, we also have a, an older medication called Lindane um, that's in a or organochloride. Uh, this one is something that you probably won't see very often unless a patient has um, failed alternative treatments um, or maybe for whatever reason can't tolerate uh, other treatments, which is going to be a very rare incidence. Um, the issue with this one is there's a lot of side effects associated with it, and it does have a, a systemic absorption potential, especially in patients who... Um, you know, maybe have some sort of like a, um, you know, thin skin or some sort of uh, an issue, um, you know, where let's say they have like a, an already like kind of underlying seizure disorder. Um, they, uh, the systemic absorption is enough to where you can actually um, precipitate out a, a seizure. Um, and there's, as well as women who are pregnant or breastfeeding, you, you also should not use this medication in them, um, even though it's topical. And uh, there's a lot of studies and clinicians and things that kind of recommend that it, it not be used in elderly patients because of, again, of their thinning skin. Um, and then also uh, patients who weigh less than 110 pounds um, 
some people will avoid it. And so it's basically going to be like your teenagers and, and adults, patients who are not considered to be elderly. Um, but we have much better options available to us. This would kind of be like a, in most cases, a last resort for a topical option. Yeah, and um, a lot of those recommendations come from a uh, FDA public health advisory warning that was released in March of 2003 um, for increased side effects from lindane in people who are young, small, and elderly. So heightened caution should be used. And some of those side effects, Mike mentioned some seizures and whatnot, also dizziness, clumsiness, muscle cramps, nervousness. Um, it's not fantastic. So that's what I was talking about before when I said some of these do have some um, some side effects. Though... As a patient, you might request this if you were really angry at your lice and you want them to suffer because the way that this works is it stimulates the nervous system of the lice, causing seizures and then death. So it's pretty brutal. I only want to kill my lice via seizure. <laughs> Maximum pain to the poor lice. That'll teach them. Um, we also have uh, a topical version of ivermectin. Um, so typically we think of ivermectin as like an oral agent, but um, Sclice is the brand name for topical ivermectin that comes as a 0.5%. Um, I think I believe it's a cream, if I remember correctly. Um, so it is a single dose um, and then a 10-minute application. So pretty easy to, to apply, and then you don't need to use a knit comb um, along uh, with the application. So 10 minutes, and it is uh, considered to be not an ovocytal um, medication. However, it does seem to uh, keep the nymphs from surviving. Uh, so it's something six months and older um, it is an option, but the price can be a little uh, somewhat of an issue in some cases. Cause I I don't know if Cole, do you know if this is generic yet? No. So you'll see this under the brand name Sclice and Sulantra. At least it wasn't, from my recent recollection, it wasn't, but it very well may have gone generic since. But I would frequently see this um, prescribed maybe second to permethrin generic creams, or I would see this prescribed and then it wasn't paid for, and so we would end up switching to the permethrin generic creams. Um, is it generic? Yes. Good. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, if uh, only there was a website that we could use to like look <laughs> up instead of Cole's see. old uh, retail knowledge. <laughs> OTC availability anticipated second quarter twenty twenty one, so that could be. Oh, it says on LexiComp that it's generically available. Okay, so well, if it's not, it's it coming is. soon, that's so right. that's good. But it's notable that this is six months and older, so that's good because kids under do get lice too. Um, and it's a single, it, like you said, not ovicidal, but it is particulicidal. Um, it's a single ten minute application, no knit comb required. Um, which, you know, is the most tedious part of it. But the way it works is um, it, it has selective high affinity binding to glutamate gated chloride channels located in, inter, uh, located, um, in an invertebrate nerve and muscle cells. So it just attacks those channels and they have nervous system failure and die. We also have um, Natroba or Spinosad, 0.9% uh, suspension um, that can be applied to dry hair and uh, basically turns into like a cream rinse, if you will. Um, you leave it on there for about 10 minutes and then shampoo the hair and get it out. And uh, you only have to retreat um, if you find um, like crawling live lice again one week after the treatment. Um, and then uh, it does seem to be um, based on a study from, what year was that, uh, 20, 2009. Um, it was shown to be more efficacious as far as like clearing head lice um, compared to uh, Permethrin 1%. Yeah. And Spinosad is only four years and older. So um, 
more more stringent um, uh, restrictions there. It causes neuronal excitation, followed by hyperexcitation, paralysis, and death. None of these are pleasant. Though even your regular like raid cockroach killers are are pretty pretty unpleasant deaths for these little things. Um, but yeah, it comes as a 0.9% suspension, Spinosad. All right, what else we got? We have our newer agent. You want to go over that one? Yeah, which one? The uh, Bambatir. Uh, or uh, Bam, I'm butchering these names today, geez. Um, uh, uh, Bam Tapir, I believe is how you pronounce it. Okay. <laughs> Zelglize, I think is the brand name for it. Um, I have, this one was approved in 2020. I want to see June or July. Um, it's a 0.74% lotion um, and it's approved then, but I think it's, I haven't actually, like I checked actually today um, and I couldn't order it um, to our clinic. So I don't know if it's just been um, kind of paused as far as getting actually out to market, but um, supposedly it is available. Um, so I don't know if it's just only certain places can get it at this point. Um, but it's another, again, single 10 minute treatment for head lice patients six months and older. Um, and it works by uh, inhibiting the metalloprotease. Um, and that's basically a, a step in the egg development um, as well as uh, lice itself. So you basically just cut them off at the source and um, let nature take its course. Um, but there's a few different studies that they've done and uh, they compared it to um, basically like a a vehicle, and I and we need to pull these studies. I want to see if they actually had a medicated. I'm assuming they used permethrin or something, but um, it was more effective than their comparator. And um, in both studies, one was 92.9% uh, effective. Um, in that one was in regards to um, the absolute reduction in egg hatching. So it seems to be a pretty effective option. I do not know what the price is going to be on this one, um, but. Uh, we may be seeing more of that in the near future. Yeah, so attacks the eggs, which is great. It's another 10-minute treatment, kind of like the ivermectin topical, and six months and older, which is great. And we didn't mention with a lot of these that act on the nervous system like this, um, they can't, lice can develop resistance. And mm-hmm. You can have super lice that are going to be <laughs> resistant to certain medications, and I didn't mention that with the failures, but that's another reason that um, you could see a treatment failure is if the lice are resistant to one of these medications. There is one that is very low risk for resistance, um, and it's called, the brand name is Results with a Z, so you know it's cool, um, but the generic is isopropyl myristate, um, but what it, its mechanism of action is unique, so it dissolves the wax covering on the exoskeleton of head lice in particular, um, which in turn causes dehydration and subsequent death. And so because of that, it's a physical mode of action as opposed to the mainly attacking the nervous system like the other ones, um, very unlikely to develop a resistance to this one. Yeah, because typically the resistance will happen either from um, mutations in specific enzymes, so like acetylcholinesterase inhibitor, so that they're, the enzymes are no longer binding to like the organophosphates and things like that. Um, it can also... Um, work by increasing the metabolism of the insecticides themselves. Um, and so they'll increase certain enzymes like um, monooxygenase uh, activity, and uh, you turn them into uh, compounds that no longer kill lice. And so they have like this built-in uh, kind of defense mechanism. Um, they are seeing resistance in the melathion um, in the UK. Um, however, the formulation is, is different in, in the UK. We use... Um, isopropyl alcohol and uh 
terpineol, um, which has cut down on the resistance rates of that particular medication here. Yeah, benzoyl alcohol suffocates them, prevents them from breathing, basically. Benzoyl or isopropyl? Oh, did you say isopropyl? Uh, this one has isopropyl. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. But maybe it does the same thing. Separately, there is a benzoyl alcohol lotion that will um, that is used, and it, it suffocates them that we didn't mention. There's also dimethicone, which you referenced before, but it's it's highly effective, low-risk adverse effects, um, and another thing that you can use. Yeah. So those are the different treatment options. Um, and I guess uh, we've kind of already gone through, like, the specific, you know, head, you know, treatment and all that stuff. But um, one thing to consider is some of these options where they, they come with a, um, a knit comb. Um, they have some that are just, like, very fine tooth combs that you can kind of comb the hair through but they also have some that uh have like the little uh zap to them have you have you seen those cole no you can i forget what the brand name is but it literally has like does it do anything apparently it like is enough of a electric quote-unquote shock that it disrupts the um the 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 knits and kills them off from the hair shaft interesting i can't remember the name i have to lice guard is that what Robocomb? it is? Robocomb? That just is a brand name. Nix has one too, but they just call it the electronic Lysecomb. Very fancy name. I'm going to shock those jokers. <laughs> um, and the other uh, option that CDC recommends as far as instead of like mechanical removal at the comb, you can also just shave your head like Cole did, which he didn't even have it. So he just shaved it to help his brother, I guess. Which I will say that um, the as far as this article goes and their recommendations, they say shaving is effective, but usually not necessary or socially acceptable. Um, because the the drugs are are so effective um, and resistant um, disease or with resistance, you know, you, it might be a consideration. But as a rule, you don't necessarily have to shave everybody, of course. Um, and I do want to mention the CDC. This is this is per this article. This is just something that they've hit a few times. The CDC, American Association of Pediatrics, and National Association of School Nurses. Um, recommend that the school no-knit policies um, should kind of be stopped. I think it's a policy that a lot of schools have. They say that the knits are cemented to the hair shaft and unlikely to be transferred to others. So basically, if they've been treated and the um, the um, live lice are killed and whether or not they need a retreatment based on their drug, but if they do, um, even in the meantime, they're saying it's okay to return to school as long as they receive their retreatment in an appropriate amount of time. So. Do with that what you will. <laughs> and then um, one thing I'll also mention is uh, if maybe you're trying to get a, get by without using, um, you know, like an actual topical medication, you just want to use one of those mechanical removal combs. Um, they've done some studies that have compared like the mechanical removal alone. So like basically using one of those knit combs every two to three days for two weeks or so compared to the mechanical removal plus um, something like permethrin or, um, you know, a topical agent. And uh, the, the agent plus the, the combing always is more effective. So um, yep. using treatment with medication is advised um, if at all possible. I also wanted to add there, as far as the fine-tooth comb goes, uh, you can't just use one at home. You have to get a special comb that uh, they say the teeth of the comb have to be like 0.2 millimeters apart to be effective since these are tiny little things. And that makes sense because the, the nits are generally 0.8 or but could be less. So if you want to catch them all, and I'm sure based on seeing them that your regular hairbrush or hair comb is not that thin. Um, as far as the fomites go, of course, they can be spread by hats, hairbands, accessories, towels, all sorts of stuff. Um, so you do want to deal with that. And so they recommend laundering potential fomites like towels, pillowcases, sheets, 
um, in hot water, followed by a machine dry using the hottest cycle. Hopefully temperatures will exceed 130 degrees Fahrenheit for more than five minutes to kill the eggs, the nymphs, and the mature lice. 55 degrees Celsius for all of our international listeners. There you go. You got it. <laughs> um, if they're not machine washable, but they can be placed in the dryer at high heat for half an hour, they say that that is um, effective. Dry cleaning may be an effective alternative. I will say you probably want to warn the guy that you're giving it to that, <laughs> that it has had access to lice before you give it to a dry cleaners. It's going to spread throughout the whole place. Yeah, that's a weird one. I don't, I don't know, know about that. Yeah, that seems kind of cruel. That's questionable. But um, Did you put it in your dryer on high heat? Yeah. <laughs> Call it a day. Yeah, but you know, there's other things that can't really even go in the dryer. So um, adult lice can't survive long if separated from the host um, and because eggs hatch in 6 to 10 days and nymphs will die without a blood meal. If you seal the fomites in a plastic bag for two weeks that can be effective just to make sure that they can't have access to blood so it's not really that you're suffocating them which i think is what most people would think is happening you're just starving them for a couple weeks because they can't live without their blood meal um it works well for like stuffed animals that you don't want to you know they've got sentimental value and you don't want to dry it um but yeah vacuuming is recommended that sort of thing so um they also recommend not using like the chemical um, insecticide sprays like the bedding and those type of things you see over the counter um, they say that have not really been shown to be effective as far as controlling head lice so um, just stick with the washing of the fomites and making sure you're treating properly the actual patient or people who have come in contact with them but uh, not you don't have to go through and spray everything down with uh, the, those insecticides you ever heard of the mayonnaise trick mm. Uh, maybe that was on my mind, but I haven't seen it anywhere. I haven't seen it anywhere either, but I can I can just remember this episode of Arthur where they all got lice, even though those little aardvarks did not have hair. They all got lice, and they put mayonnaise in one of those shower caps, and they all like wore mayonnaise for six hours or whatever. So I'm gonna go ahead and say that's not recommended because we haven't <laughs> seen it anywhere. But they definitely did it on Arthur, hundred percent. Is it like the cartoon? Is it like the cartoon? You've heard of Arthur? You know Arthur, yeah, Mike. It was on like public television. Yeah, PBS. It's a child show. Like the greatest child show. Yeah. Okay, right on. Michael. It would have been, you know. When you first said it, I thought you said Archer. And then I'm like listening more <laughs> to it. I'm like, that doesn't seem like, this seems <laughs> like more of a kid like show. The Marvel show? No, Arthur, Archer, the um, the cartoon that's like an adult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. He's that. a secret agent. Um, no, Arthur, the aardvarks and the animals. Gotcha. I'm yeah. with you. That was definitely not like before your time or anything. No, I don't think so. I don't just. I don't know if I watched it. Okay. <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, then but you should because it's. Quality. I've watched many of other stupid things, so don't. It's not like I'm saying I'm too cool for Arthur by any means. I've watched. I still watch some dumb stuff, so no, uh, no judgment there. You got anything on lice, TJ? I mean, on mayonnaise. So uh, it seems like we're not the only people who had that on our mind. Um, there's no r- real evidence that shows that it can kill the lice or prevent them from coming back or any of those things. Um, they do talk about risks. Uh, let's see. Extra oil in your hair can cause you to break out on your hairline, face, neck, all those kind of things, especially if you're already prone to acne. So I would probably just stick to the the things that have been studied. Yeah, Don't do the mayonnaise. Yeah. I um, mean, unless you just really like unless mayonnaise. Unless you're into that kind of thing, yeah. I guess. is gross. <laughs> so one thing I'll mention, too, with, um, with pubic lice, uh, if you have a patient that is diagnosed um, with pubic lice, um, then make sure that uh, they inform their any sexual partner that they've had in, within the last month of, of prior to their diagnosis um, because they uh, may need to be treated as well. And um, 
you know, make sure that both have been successfully treated before you kind of release them from your care as well as uh, checking for other uh, STDs like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else as far as uh, that stuff goes? That's all I got, man. I've got one more thing that actually was on my mind. Go for it. Uh, so in terms of diagnosing patients with lice, just because you see nits doesn't necessarily mean they have an active infestation, right? And one thing that really stuck out to me was that they talk about nits on the hair. If they're more than a quarter inch off of the scalp or up the hair, then there's a good chance that it's just still there from a prior infestation that, hmm. was, that was already fixed. So that's not something that you would think about unless somebody says it. But if it's you know a further way up the hair, then it's probably just still there. Yeah, because, I mean, it's going to be linked to the hair, so if it's a dead... Just the hair is growing, If yeah. the internals of the egg is dead and it's not going to hatch, then it might just hang on. Interesting. Yeah. One thing I we didn't mention, um, I don't believe, just before we go, is uh, patients who have, um, like, a body lice infestation or if they um, have, you know, maybe heavy infestation of, like, the hair and the pubic region, um, sometimes the topical agents will just be too much, um, you know, area to kind of cover effectively. So you could potentially off-label use ivermectin. Um, I've seen oral dosing, yeah, yeah, oral ivermectin. So, um, dosing regimens such as like 12 milligrams, um, seven days apart for, uh, three doses, um, has been shown to be effective. However, um, those have not been, uh, approved as far as FDA approved for like body lice and things like that. But there's some case reports and things like that of people. It's not FDA approved, but I will definitely say that because of convenience, I actually would see that a lot. Yeah. Not uncommon at all. And, and and this is from an article uh, in Medscape, but in some cultures, I don't know, it doesn't specify which ones, but I'd like to check this out. Monkeys are used as patient nit pickers to groom the hair (laughs) and to remove adult lice and nits. Just got chill. This monkey's playing with your hair. Well, they eat them, right? I mean, they just guess. pick them out and eat them. I, I'm not gonna lie. I would pretend I have. I would pretend I have lice. Just to would see you just mo- infest yourself with lice? N- no, I would pretend because <laughs> the monkey doesn't know. He's just gonna be like, "Where the heck are they?" He's gonna be looking. But for five minutes, <laughs> I got this. I got this monkey like going through my hair and be a great Instagram uh, video. It'd be so, a nice yeah. massage, I guess. Maybe. Unless he's an aggressive monkey. <laughs> you, that, you might deal with that baldness that you were talking they're about. They're super earlier. strong. I feel like depending on what species you have. I would imagine. I would imagine. TJ, anything else, man? Nothing. Cool. Cool. All right, guys. Well, I hope that was somewhat helpful. Um, we'll uh, make sure you check out uh, our couple episodes we've posted over the last month or so that are um, accredited for continuing education credits for pharmacists and nurses um, through freece.com. Um, check out those episodes, and the links will be in the show notes. Um, if you have any questions or comments or anything like that for Cole or myself, uh, our emails will be in the show notes. You can also get to us on any of the social media platforms um, of your choosing. Um, you can text us directly at area code 415-943-6116. Um, you'll get like an automated response first, and then um, just bear with us, and uh, we'll answer your question uh, as quick as we can. Uh, also, thank you guys so much for those of you who have checked out the uh, Patreon page. Um, so we also have a, an option now where you can basically get a year's membership. So you have access to all the different slides and lectures and all that for $30 and some change. And um, so I've seen a lot of people uh, this month taking advantage of that. I think there's um, around 70 to 80 lectures on there now. So thousands of slides. Um, hopefully some good stuff that you guys will like. But uh, check that out. So we really appreciate those of you who have checked uh, and subscribed to that. And, um, you know, let us know how we can improve that as well. 
Um, but other than that, thank you guys so much. Um, if you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave comments um, on the iTunes ratings, all that stuff. It always helps us. And we will catch you guys next time. Have a good one.